When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings Vet Line. And now, he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on Earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rand with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North. Realistic Randy Rants every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. And unfortunately, Randy, after we did a great preview episode last week, hoping that the Vikings uh, were continuing their playoff run, the eulogy on the 2022 Vikings can now officially be written. They fall to the New York Giants in the wild card round, 31-24. Plenty to get into from the defensive side, from the Kirk side, from also even later on in this episode, just kind of where this team goes beyond 2022 and as we transition to the offseason into 2023. Uh, but I'll, I'll start you with this one here, Randy. How pissed were you at the end of this game yesterday? How how upset were you? Were were you were you absolutely just wanted to jump through the window? What was your emotions kind of like uh, watching that one play out as the Viking season comes to an end against the Giants? Oh, I was heated because the entire game I was getting jacked up, especially when the Vikings looked like they were going to make it interesting and possibly win that game. And every single play that happened and the Darius Slayton, the miscatch that he had, I said, oh, we are getting so lucky here. Mm-hmm. So the momentum was building. The excitement was building. Okay, let's make something happen here. And the way that that game ended, first off, going back a little bit, the defense. What's really Ed Donatel saying that, hey, you're going to love this defense. <laughs> when it's playoff time, hey, you're going to like what we show you. I tell you what, I didn't like it. Not one bit. It was the exact same as we've seen the entire season. How is it that you can sit there and look at the same crap? You've got front row seats to this, Ed Donatel and Kevin O'Connell, because you're the head coach. I know that you're an offensive-minded head coach, but the defensive coordinator and the defense that still falls on the shoulders of the head coach. How can you sit there and see this week after week and say, nothing to see here. We're just going to keep doing it. I feel like there's been more focus into having meetings with each other and trying to be nice and culture and all of this stuff that goes on behind the scenes. But when it's time to take action and do something for the sake of the team, the ultimate goal is to win football games. Kevin O'Connell needs to take back control of his team, whether it's the goofy play, what was it? Third and short, giving it to Justin Jefferson, passing it to Kirk and what for no gain, basically. What was the point of doing that also to take control of your team in the sense that Ed Donatel is sabotaging the success of what this team is capable of? That's been the biggest problem this year was the defense. How many times did we see 
a Giants receiver. They catch the football. No one's around them. No resistance. Saquon Barkley just goes up the middle. Parting like the Red Sea. No resistance. How many times did we see that? But we're going to see something different this time around because it's the playoffs. Why didn't you make any adjustments in the regular season? This has been such a problem that I'm just tired of continuously seeing this team look like they don't belong on the field come playoff time. Because when you look at even the Detroit Lions against the Packers last week, the energy that they played with, or the San Francisco 49ers, the way they played the Seattle Seahawks on Saturday, you see all these other teams, they get amped up. And they, you know what, if they lose, it's going to be a tough out, but they play their hearts out. The Vikings, they're just not there yet. And that's what's really disappointing because we see this every year. It doesn't matter who the head coach is. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is, who the players are. It's the same old song and dance. That was so disappointing to see. And for it to end off of a check down to TJ Hawkinson on fourth and eight, you know what's at stake here, Kirk Cousins. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. But just overall, you see these veterans on defense, Eric Kendricks, the dude looks like he can't cover anymore. This was one of the best pass-defending linebackers in the league. Harrison Smith, this dude fell. He was clumsy a couple of times in that game. There, just, there needs to be a major overhaul on this roster immediately going into the offseason. So, yeah, we can blame it on the players to some degree. But Ed Donatel clearly does not know what he's doing, which is really disappointing because coming from the Vic Fangio tree, I thought this dude was going to be fantastic. And turned out it was the demise. I kind of like the idea of Kevin O'Connell needs to take control here. So zooming out, when you look at everything from like the 30,000-foot view, you see, all right, 13 wins in 17 games, uh, wrapped up the NFC North earlier than expected, hosted a playoff game. I mean, those are a lot of difficult boxes to check for any head coach, um, let alone a first-year head coach, and that's all good and that's all gravy. But it did feel like things just kind of got content because you're used to winning this way. And there was some type of attempts to change things when he told Ed Donatel, here's how I would scheme against you if I was coaching against you. But he still empowered him. He still trolled Ed to let him let him control that defense. There was no big changes made. You got real comfortable, essentially, with the personnel and with the scheme because you trusted it because, yeah, I get it. It led you to 13 wins, but you knew come playoff time, you still have to make those adjustments. And you essentially made Daniel Jones look like a genius again. I mean, Dan- Danny Dimes, once for, for the second time this season, carved up that defense for 300-plus yards, and he was rushing all over the place. Like, that's if, if, they, lost, if they were going to win this game, let's say they went to San Francisco and they got embarrassed by a really good 49ers team or they lost in a similar fashion to a 49ers team, I'd be like, all right, I probably wouldn't be as sour on it because the 49ers are a better football team than the Vikings. But they allowed Daniel Jones... And also, who is, has a first-year head coach in Brian Dayball, who's tricked him up to a degree, so I don't want to just completely not give the New York Giants credit. But that was the easiest matchup you could have possibly had. You trusted Ed Donatel, and Randy, you knew it in the first two drives, and they go like 200 yards and score 14 points on like nine plays that, oh, it's going to be one of these. It's going to be you have to score 30-plus to win this game. Daniel Jones is marching up and down with ease. Um, there was no adjustments there. And I and that does fall on the head coach because we have given Mike we gave Mike Zimmer so much crap for not caring about offense, and yeah, we conversely, did. we the same thing has just happened basically with Kevin O'Connell and the defense. And that's the problem. That's on coaching. Brian Dayball he had those boys ready to play. Yeah. They had fire in the belly. To whereas 
the Vikings defenders, they looked like they felt sorry for themselves. They played flat. And the fact that there were no adjustments, we still have cornerbacks playing off coverage pre-snap. We're still not blitzing a whole lot like we should be in the first place. The fact that you did not have your team ready, if you're Kevin O'Connell, and that's the same thing against the Dallas Cowboys, against the Philadelphia Eagles, against the Packers, big games. It's cool if you win all of these games 13 and 4. That's wonderful on the surface. It's cool if you win these games in dramatic fashion and we believe, no one believed in us, look at us now, hey, there's something special going on in this locker room. But that's not something that you can consistently rely on, especially come playoff time. And the fact that we are in this situation right now, that was the best matchup. We said it last week. This Mm -hmm. is a team that we want to face, the New York Giants. And Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, as aggressive as they were, he's not as good as what we saw last night. That's just a pillow defense that he went up against. And if you're not going to have any sort of pressure, yes, he got sacked three times. But if you're not going to have pressure throughout the course of a game and your corners, they're just backing up and backing up and backing up and you're leaving the underneath routes open all game long, my God, anybody will look good against that defense. You weren't ready. You weren't prepared. And the Giants were prepared. Preparation beats talent every single time. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that they lost. But for me, the floor for a successful season was win a playoff game. After that, whatever happens, it's gravy. You couldn't even do that. You hosted a playoff game at home. Those fans, they expected better, and we didn't get that. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, first home playoff game in five years. Um, U.S. Bank Stadium, a tough place to play. They were loud. They were John Randall had them all pumped up in the pregame hype video. Vikings Entertainment Network does an unreal job of getting the, getting those fans ready. Um, and unfortunately, when the Vikings go out, they score on the opening drive, typically like they always do. And then when you saw the 14 points come from the Giants on less than 10 plays and marching up and down with these, you're like, oh, it's going to be it's going to be one of these. Huh? Like you had an opportunity to go out there, score first, which you did, and then get a stop and continue to build momentum, make it tough on that offense from the crowd's perspective, maybe come up with something different uh, to slow down a Giants team that played pretty well against you the first time. And there was no adjustments. Um, and that's what was tough on the offensive side. I mean, let's let's talk about the ridiculous wide receiver pass to Kirk Cousins too, where that's another example of Kevin O'Connell having difficulties and getting way too confusing and cute on short yards to go situations. That's third and two that, that there's numerous options you can get for third and two that don't revolve around a wide receiver pass. And I saw KOC in this post game said something about, well, actually, yes, it was a lateral, but there was supposed to be someone else behind you. Okay, dude, it's third and two. It's third and two. You can do a slant. You can run up the middle. You can do something else. And then to do a wide receiver pass, then back to your quarterback, Kirk Cousins, who, God bless him, has as much speed as probably you or I, or probably even less than that. And that was what you dialed up. Um, there's a lot of things, I think, that were learning moments for KOC, and especially towards the end of this season. Because um, let's be honest, too, even though when the Vikings clinched that division, they just they didn't look the same over the last six weeks. And we knew that, hey, if they can win a playoff game, yeah, that's probably their ceiling house money after that. Um, but there's a lot of probably look in the mirror moments, I think, from Kevin O'Connell, who, by the way, I'm still all in on. Like, I don't, I don't have, oh, um, I don't have now second resentments, or I'm starting to question that higher. I'm still all in on this coach. I'm, I'm excited to see what he wants to do, and same with Quasi to a degree. But there's a lot, I think, self realizations that KOC has to realize after his first year as a full time head coach of National Football League team. But my concern is if he didn't have that self awareness to say to himself, because 
that play, that third and short play, if you want to do that on first and second down, okay, fine. But third and short, are you kidding me? But the concern is he's been doing plays like that all season. It's I want to know what happens after the scripted drive when it's successful. Because throughout this entire season, after they score a touchdown on the first drive, after that, it's womp, 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 womp. And just, oh, I don't know how to coach football anymore. I like him a lot, and I do believe in him and that this team will be successful under his leadership. But if you didn't recognize it, these dudes watch film every week. They go over notes to say what went wrong here, what went right. They do this all season long. And the fact that you saw these types of plays that you've been calling up, Nick Mullins against the Washington Commanders, the jump pass attempt by Dalvin Cook, all of these plays where you're trying to be too cute. If you didn't recognize then, I need to dial it back a little bit. What makes what makes me think that he's going to have that self-awareness to do it in the offseason? If anything, I'm concerned that he may try to do it again in 2023. And one more thing on the offense, Garrett Bradbury, I think it's okay to be done with this because – yeah. Okay, the snap count, it was on time, and that's great. But Garrett Bradbury looked like the Garrett Bradbury of old before this season. Just got pushed around by Dexter Lawrence. That first drive, Bradbury, I thought, was excellent. But then after that, it's just, okay, we can be done with this guy moving forward. Yeah, I mean, tough assignment. Dexter Lawrence, one of the best in the business. Um, Bradbury not playing over a month. He's got a back issue. Um, Wasn't a good recipe for success. I'm kind of with you, too. I think, uh, look, you can find a a replacement center in the draft. You can find probably a league average one if you want to, I guess, overpay for it in free agency. You can probably move on from him. If he wants to come back on like a short-term or team-friendly deal, I can play ball to a degree, but I don't know if he wants to do that after the season. He just had to. Um, so there's a lot of moving a lot of moving parts um, just on that offense in general. On the defensive side with Donatel, I mean, we, we can fillet him all we want, and rightfully so. I mean, when you allow 400-plus yards to that New York Giants offense twice, um, that's a problem. But also, just these plotting defenders, too. I mean, Eric Kendricks has lost a step. Jordan Hicks, I still don't know why he played as much as he did. Cam Dantzler regressed, and I know he was dealing with personal matter, too, um, off the field that kept him, kept him off yesterday against the Giants. But there's some old, aging defenders here. Zadarius Smith was an afterthought in the second half of the season after a dominating first half. Just one sack, and it, I mean, it was a big-time sack it forced a, a fourth down, but just one sack? Like, you couldn't figure out other ways to get after Daniel Jones? There was no spy either on Daniel Jones? Like, it's all, they literally dropped the ball and said, we're going to play, Donatel did, in the same way, because I trust that these players in my scheme can make up for it. And I blame Donatel more on that pie chart than I do the players. But, man, some of these players just also stood no chance at trying to defend them because the scheme was so poor. The Vikings, they need to get younger and faster on defense. Eric Kendricks, it is sad to watch what he has become. Harrison Smith, the defensive line was really disappointing as well, although I do believe in Dalvin Tomlinson and Harrison Phillips as well. Zadari Smith, that's a big one because I thought for sure a priority needs to be we have to keep him along with Daniil Hunter. But now after what I saw last night, the entire second half of the season, I'm in the camp of if we keep him great if not it's not going to necessarily knock my socks off anymore it's really disappointing how far off the face of the earth that he's fallen compared to what we saw the first half of the season but we don't have any sort of leadership on defense as far as coaching and then the players they look like they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off (laughs) they have no idea what it is that they're doing so 
if the players are out of position, whether that's by scheme or whether it's because the players just aren't any good, something needs to change. And the problem is nothing's changed at all. And Kevin O'Connell, you have the power to make that decision. Any other team that feels like they're going to compete for a championship and that they know they're going to the playoffs, let's get our ducks in a row here. Any other team, they would have made the change at defensive coordinator long ago. Instead, Kevin O'Connell sat there, and I just don't, it is mind-boggling to me. We as fans and the coaching staff, everybody, we saw it week after week after week. And instead of saying, we have to make a change here, it's, no, it's going to get better. Hashtag collaboration. We're going to speak about it and the culture and all this crap. Behind the scenes, fine. Do all the work you want to. But on the field, the changes were not made. And until that gets changed, why should we expect to see anything different? Yeah, that's the issue here. So you won 13 games. Um, your defense needs an overhaul. I want to ask you something about on the offensive side later on, too. There's there's holes there, too. It's just it's going to be difficult with not as many draft picks, with not as much draft cap, uh, not much salary cap, capital, excuse me, to fix all these issues. And it's hard to make that defense just flip a switch overnight. I mean, they were we were hoping that this defense can go from 30th, which was basically last year, to like 20th. To 18th, sure. basically league app. Can you get up to a league average? Because we won't ask you to just be a top 10 defense again, because that's not probably possible. But can you be league average? And now it's it's three years in a row where it's the same guys, and you haven't really fixed anything. There's no one that's on the younger side to make you better. Like it's it's going to be difficult to just assume that a first round pick, whether he's a stud cornerback or whatever he wants to be, maybe a good defensive end too that helps you get after the that get after the QB is going to fix that defense. It's going to take a few years to fix it, and I don't think there's just one thing that's going to make... I mean, yes, getting a new coordinator is huge, right? And, and that's going to be probably priority number one uh, for the Vikings here as they enter the offseason mode is find the right defensive coordinator. But it's it's going to take more than just the coordinator and just flipping of a job title to make that defense better overnight, too. It's going to be a real, real tall task. But you got to start somewhere, and that's the thing, too. You can't keep it going with these aging veterans that you have because that's going to further stunt the growth of this defense long term. You got to start somewhere, baby steps. They have, what, four draft picks in this upcoming draft. You're going to have to trade down in the first round. I hope the Vikings and Kwesi Adafo Mensah, I hope that he can at least collect seven total draft picks or at least have seven total draft picks after a trade or two to be able to get younger on defense. I don't know where you even start as far as the offensive line, at center, do you start on defense? Do you go to corner? Do you go to linebacker? There are so many holes, gaping holes on this team, both on offense and on the de- Adam Thielen, this dude, we're talking about aging veterans. He needs to be gone as well. I don't know which way you go to start the draft, but you have to start somewhere, and it needs to start right now. Getting rid of these players, as unfortunate as it is, they've been great players. Eric Kendricks, Harrison Hitman Smith. I have a Hitman jersey. I love these guys. Adam Thielen. Wonderful. Love him. But the time to move on is now. And after a couple of years, maybe you can be competent. And that's the problem. This team was a competent defense away, I feel like, from at least winning a playoff game. For sure. They couldn't even do that. Yeah, and, and that's where it just stinks because it's the, the path was there. Uh, you had a home playoff game, potentially two. Um, it, and that's that's what that thing that's what really, really stings is if it was gonna happen, it was probably gonna be this year and the coaching staff, the defensive side, um, it just absolutely blundered things. Uh, before we get into Kirk, 
Let's talk about a little positive, though. TJ Hawkinson, who had a, just a monster game yesterday. I mean, that, that I think that you can clearly say that was the best in-season trade the Vikings have probably ever made. In-season trades in the NFL really don't happen as much. They pushed the trade deadline back this year to try to encourage some of that more. But, man, TJ Hawkinson showed up in a big-time way. Um, they have two legitimate weapons in Jefferson and Hawkinson. I still think you have to go get another one. But, man, TJ Hawkinson turned out to be well worth that trade with the Detroit Lions, and that dude is going to be a force in this offense for years to come. I still can't believe the Lions did an in-season trade with a divisional rival. And for TJ Hawkinson at that, what? Are you kidding me? That's sick. And Hawkinson, as far as receiving options, Hawkinson was the one that kept the Vikings in the game, catching passes from Kirk Cousins. This man finished with, goodness, 10 catches on 11 targets, 129 yards. Clutch play after clutch play. He had the fourth down conversion. I think it was fourth and two to keep the drive alive. And you're right. Him along with Justin Jefferson, that's a nice core to work with. Just got to limit the drops. Speaking of drops, Irv Smith Jr., yes, he did score a touchdown. That's wonderful. But earlier in the game, another drop, and I instantly thought of you to where I said, oh, man, we've got uh, Troy Williamson at tight end. Oh, my God. But getting a touchdown, that's wonderful. But you need to build upon that. I think that's a good piece, a good foundational piece offensively for your quarterback. If that is going to be Kirk Cousins, so be it. But TJ Hawkinson, limit the drops, and you have a game like that, 129 yards. Hey, kudos to him. Yeah, big, big time target there. Uh, I think his, his fifth year options picked up, so he's yes, still under is. contract for next season. You can still sign him long term if you want to. So, yeah, it's, it's a real, real solid piece. Uh, Randy, thoughts on the Kirk Cousins? situation here so man I thought this season was the best we've seen from Kirk even though his individual statistics were down the perception of Kirk for me is what was so different this year and he was balling out yesterday took a lot of hits delivered a lot of big time throws but it just it is quintessential Kirk Cousins moment for him to check it down to TJ Hawkinson with the fourth down and the season on the line and I get there is people covered I would rather you throw into double or triple coverage with your season on the line than just to take a hope and a wing and a prayer that, hey, maybe TJ slips out here and is able to run, which even though he was clearly covered the whole time. Um, what, what did you make of the Kirk Cousins decision there? And also, what is Kirk Cousins' future with this team? Kirk Cousins has been in the league since 2012. He is a grown-ass man. You've been in the league long enough to understand what it takes, what the team needs from you, when they're in a position to keep the season alive, that was unacceptable. That was the deflating moment for me, I'm sure for all of Vikings Nation out there. Fourth and eight, you check down to TJ Hawkinson, and don't tell me that, well, okay, the defense. What does the defense? Two things can be true. The defense was awful. Ed Donatel should be fired. And the defense was really bad. What does the defense, being bad, have to do with Kirk Cousins' decision-making in that moment. Well, I can't I can't throw it to my best receiver out there because the defense was so bad. What do you want me to do? Buffalo Bills game. What was it? Fourth and 16, fourth and 18. You threw it up to Justin Jefferson for the catch. He understands what's at stake here. And the fact that you fell apart like that, you soiled yourself, it takes away all the good that you did this season, for me anyway. And I owe everybody an apology. The naysayers, I owe you guys an apology. Everybody out there, we talked about the national media and Kirk Cousins, and they're hating on them far too much. They were right. You can't win with this guy. Not like that. Why? 
What's to say? This is the playoffs, right? Even if you have a competent defense, there are going to be games, especially in the playoffs, where you find yourself in a situation where you need to lead a game-tying or game-winning drive. Poor defense or not. What's going to happen in the playoffs next year and the year after that? What's going to happen in those moments? You can't figure it out now to it. Hey, here's an idea. Oh, this may sound crazy. Fourth and eight, let's throw it beyond the sticks and see what happens. Case Keenum had no problem doing that in 2017, throwing it to his best receiver. Why couldn't you do that in that situation? Well, I had no choice but to throw it to Hawkinson. That was weak and it was soft. And I, I don't, I was on the train of supporting this man and give him the right system and we'll figure it all out. But after seeing that, there's nothing else, nothing else for me to see. Oh, it is. It's frustrating because, again, I think perception of Kirk changed for the better for the most part of this year. But we've also been saying the same thing, that he can go out and change that perception. He accomplished that in the regular season. He accomplished that in fourth quarter comebacks. But then for him to lay the Kirk Cousins egg like that, it it stinks. And now where do you go from here? I mean, he's 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 under contract. I think in all likelihood, he still is your starting quarterback for next season. And and we're going to have numerous conversations about the Vikings future um, going forward, uh, by the way, Realistic Randy will still be part of this YouTube channel going forward every Monday. So if you think this is the last episode, it is not. This is uh, There's no succession plan. It's still me, me and Randy every Monday on Purple Daily. Hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. But God, it, it just, it is classic Kirk. And you, you're right, Randy. Two things can be true. The defense stinks. And Ed Donatel deserves to be fired. And Kirk Cousins totally had a mind bleep moment of safe throw right there. Dude, it's eight yards short of the sticks, and you're fourth down, and, and the season's on the line. This isn't a this isn't a week fifteen game against right. Detroit. This is the damn playoffs. Force the ball down the field. You got KJ Osborne potentially. Throw it to your wide receiver in Justin Jefferson, who I know is doubled. I'd rather you go out like that than for you to take a safe check down. And because I had pressure in my face, which happens every, to every quarterback in the NFL, ugh, it um. It, it was it was painful to see because I thought there were so many different areas that he that he improved upon this season and it just ends like that and it's frustrating for me to watch. It should have been, hey, he threw it up to JJ. Any quarterback, if you're one of the best quarterbacks in the league, I said that this man, statistically speaking, league wide, I put him in the top five. And the NFC after Jalen Hurts is Kirk Cousins, as far as I'm concerned. But if you're one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They don't make that type of play in that situation. They throw it up to their best receiver. And you know what? If it's incomplete, we can say you did the best you could. We lost to the better team, which we actually did, whether he completed the pass or not. We lost to the better team. So be it. On to next season. But instead, you chickened out. You soiled yourself. You said, I want no parts of this game anymore. I don't give a damn about the defense in that situation. You get paid. He got paid $40 million this year. Every year you're here, you get paid 30 plus million. You got the captain patch on your jersey. What else is there for him to get out of that mentality in those type of plays? I don't know what else there is to see from him to believe that, okay, we're in good hands. I think you have to look for your quarterback of the future. I do think Kirk is going to be the starting QB next season, but you got to start looking right now. And maybe you don't find it in this draft. Maybe you do, but you have to start laying down the groundwork. Oh, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a fascinating offseason from the Vikings' perspective because there's holes in this team, as we just talked about, defensively, offensively. Um, 
do they stick with Kirk? Do they extend Kirk to get it down? Like there, there's so many paths to go down here um, with this Vikings teams going forward. By the way, uh, Realistic Radio Rants sponsored by our friends at Park Tavern. Uh, go check out Park Tavern in St. Louis Park off Louisiana Avenue here in the Metro. Uh, great time for bowling, great food and apps, great beer selection. You can find Sportstad there uh, just about any day of the week. Go to Park Tavern and check it out. And also the Kirk Cousins Foundation from our crazy Canadian Cousins Crusaders. Uh, go donate to Kirk Cousins Charity. Go to KirkCousins.org. Mention Purple Daily when you donate. We all can agree on a good charity cause. Go check out Kirk Cousins uh, Charity.org. Go to KirkCousins.org to find out more there. Uh, Randy, kind of looking ahead here into 2023. So I'm guessing if I were to ask you top three, you know, priority list, top three plans. I'm guessing number one probably starts new defensive coordinator. Is that is that number one going into your offseason plans for you? Absolutely. You got to get this right. If you had just an okay, competent defense, a league average defense, this team would be on to San Francisco right now. In fact, maybe if you had a competent defense, maybe you would have beat the Packers and maintained the two seed. But you got to find a new defensive coordinator right off the bat. Yeah, there's options out there. We did a, a bonus episode right here on this YouTube channel on the podcast feed if you want to go check it out. Um, here's some of these names, Randy. I'll even give you some of these. Why not? So internally, what does Mike Pettin do? Does he do anything for you? Do you think he should be considered? Should he not be considered? What about Mike Pettin, a guy who has coached some good defense, has some chops? Where does he kind of stand for you there? The way that it ended for him in Green Bay, I just I don't necessarily feel great about it. With that said, any option other than Ed Donatel, I'll take it. But I, I, if you have to go there, so be it. But I feel like if they do, it would just be, okay, it's in-house. This is the easy thing to do. So let's go ahead and get him in the defensive coordinator role. I, I, I just don't believe that he can turn it around from what we last saw in Green Bay to where they couldn't get rid of him quick enough. Packers fans, they were full of joy when he finally left. Yeah. And I just feel like there's a chance that it's going to be more of the same, this defense that we saw this year going along with Mike Patton. So this guy, and again, we're recording this too on, on a Monday. Um, this is almost almost noon central time on Monday, January 16th. The Vikings uh, are eliminated from the playoffs, obviously. Still don't know the future of this guy. He's still under contract. If Brandon Staley is fired from the Chargers, who absolutely collapsed uh, the day before the Vikings lost, does Brandon Staley do anything for you as a defensive coordinator? You know, it's funny because I talked about this on my YouTube channel as far as replacements for Ed Donatel and Brandon Staley came up. And initially I said, no, I'm not feeling it because the one year, that one great year he had with the Rams, forgot what year that was, but where they had, I believe, the number one defense in the league. You had all pro players, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. Of course, you're going to have a sick defense. But ever since that time, it hasn't been as great. This year, however, Brandon Staley, the Los Angeles Chargers, they had a top 10 defense, seventh ranked defense in the league. So if that is the case, or at least in the postseason anyway, but if that is the case, I would say, go ahead, let's take a shot with him. You have nothing else to lose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a little curious there. He inherited a real, he was, when he was D.C., that Chargers defense, I believe, was number one in the NFL, and it's kind of eroded. It goes to show how difficult it is to keep a sustainable lockdown defense year in and year out. You kind of build up, you get to a peak, and then, and unfortunately, kind of starts to trickle down and regress a little bit. Here's another one that I really, really like, um, and, and again, we did a full breakdown of this with Mackie and Judd also on this Purple Daily YouTube channel. What about Broncos defensive coordinator Ijero Ivero, who is the D.C. there, 
He has some times uh, ties, excuse me, with Quasi from San Francisco. He has ties with Kevin O'Connell from the Rams. He was actually offered the interim coaching deal after they uh, after they fired Nathaniel Hackett uh, midseason. He actually turned it down. Uh, but he's a younger guy, Randy. He's 41, 42 years old. He's not your grizzled veteran like a Fangio, like a Donatel, like a Pettin. Um, he's kind of an up-and-comer. Now, he might have his own plans here. I don't know. He might get his own head coaching interviews, for God's sakes. But I would be very curious on this guy because he is around a good defense in Denver. He has familiarity with your GM and head coach. Wouldn't be surprised at all if this was someone uh, that the Vikings could bring in. So it's funny. The Chargers, I said they had the seventh-ranked defense in the league. That was only in the postseason. The actual overall seventh-ranked defense was the Denver Broncos. So for a guy like Ajiro Avero, hell, I would take my chances with him. That would be between Brandon Staley and Mike Pettin. I would go with Avero 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, we have. I think we have players that in the right scheme, even with the aging veterans, if you take them off and replace them, you still have Daniil Hunter. You still have Harrison Phillips. You still have Dalvin Tomlinson. You still have Duke Shelley. I think you have players on this defense to where if they are schematically in the best place to succeed and it takes a good defensive coordinator to do that, I think this defense can be competent. So I believe that Avero would be the guy out of those three that we just talked about that would be number one on my list. Yeah, there, there's some other names. Go check it out um, if you want to go find it. If you haven't listened to it yet, it's 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 a good episode, and we kind of recklessly speculate, and we're getting that off-season mode, so it's 10 names. Uh, if you want Vikings fans want to go check that out, it's right here on this podcast feed and this YouTube channel. Randy, also kind of looking at the playoffs, the NFL playoffs going forward. Do you have a rooting interest in any of these teams? So, I mean, I, I love me some Bengals. I love Joe Burrow. My God, that was a crazy ending uh, to that Sunday night game last night. And by the way, not to like throw stones and get back to it, if Tyler Huntley can throw a heave ball into the end zone with the season on the line, so can, the, so can this quarterback. Not going to open that vein. But uh, looking at the rest of the playoffs, because divisional round for me, Randy, is my favorite weekend of the football year. Some people say it's Super Bowl or championship weekend. I think divisional round is my all-time favorite. Um, so do you have a rooting interest, or what are you kind of looking for in this NFL playoffs going forward? I just want to see some good football. I'm very interested in, it looks like it's going to be Philly versus the New York Giants in the divisional round, San Francisco versus the winner of Cowboys Bucks. So that's going to be two very good games next week. In the AFC, you still have Cincinnati alive, Kansas City, they'll join the playoffs after getting the first round by Buffalo. It's going to be all around interesting games. I don't really have a rooting interest. I just want to see some good football, but for SNGs, I believe that in the NFC, it's going to be between San Francisco and Philadelphia. And part of me, I just feel like San Francisco, they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. They are just as tough as it gets. That defensive front that they have, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead is one of the best, one of the most underrated players in the league. And then on the AFC side, I think it's going to be the Buffalo Bills. So I think we're going to have Bills, Ooh, okay. San Francisco in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it seems like the Bills kryptonite isn't necessarily the Chiefs or anyone else. It's themselves. I mean, they yeah. shot themselves in the foot. And that's that's kind of Josh Allen. That, that That's not necessarily groundbreaking. He can throw some picks. He can. He's had a ton of fumbles this year. Um, they kind of beat themselves, and they almost end up losing to a third-string quarterback in Skylar Thompson. I still probably like the Chiefs out of the AFC. Um, I love the Bengals, too, so I, I would like to see Joe Burrow potentially get back there. In the NFC, you're probably right. Um, it's probably going to be down to Philly. And San Francisco, I mean, my God, if, if 
if the Giants continue to pull off this run and upset uh, Philly, which I don't think they will, I mean, that'd be an incredible run for them. Uh, but I, I'm kind of looking at the AFC. I'm looking at that stacked quarterback division over there on, on that side of the ball in that conference. I'm excited to watch that play out. Um, last thing for you, Realistic Randy. Back to this Vikings game, I wanted to ask you this because uh, Mackie and Judd and I discussed it, and I forgot to ask you about it. Um, so if the Vikings, let's say, they pull off that successful fourth down conversion, they go out and they score a touchdown. Do the Vikings go for two? No. I don't think he does. I don't think Kevin O'Connell makes that decision. I think in that situation, it's so much pressure. I think you take your chances and go into overtime. Don't forget the overtime rules. Even if the opponent scores a touchdown, you still have an opportunity to rebuttal that. I would rather go for the extra point, tie the game, go into overtime. I don't think Kevin O'Connell does that. Yeah, it would be a fun one. And the only way they walk it off in OT is if you then go for two. So, like, that's the only way you can walk it off. Sure. Um, But I would have... You're right. I don't think Kevin O'Connell does it, but I do think it crosses his mind. Like, especially considering if there was like less than a minute left or how much time was on the clock. I think it does to a degree cross his mind. It would have been fascinating to see. And look, my guy, Greg Joseph made all of his kicks yesterday. Yeah, I, I love him. Great job, Greggy. But I wouldn't, I would not have been surprised at all if Kevin O'Connell decided to, uh, to go for two there, if they had gotten the touchdown, of course. I would have been so nervous, not just oh my baseline going for two right there. It's super difficult, but also the play calling of Kevin O'Connell. I've not seen enough from him to feel confident that, okay, we're in good hands here. I would have expected some zippity doodah type of crap <laughs> to where it would have been, it would have failed and we would have lost by one point. So no, I say go into OT. Yeah, I'm probably with you. All right, buddy. That'll do it for this episode of uh, Realistic Randy Rants right here on Purple Daily YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Again, Realistic Randy and I will still be here every Monday breaking things down. Might be in shorter fashion, might be in some different fashion, but we will still be on this Purple Daily YouTube channel. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel as well for some great Vikings entertainment. Uh, Plenty of stuff at our disposal here on this YouTube channel and podcast feed, so go check it out. There's plenty to get to, and we'll be back next week. Bye.